Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 28. We've got a podcast body. Big Chillites, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. Joined, as always, with Sam and Eddie. Eddie, I've got a pretty good icebreaker. I'll, I'll start with you. I'll, I'll throw it to you. I think giving it to Sam would be um, too easy. But uh, we were watching the new Wipeout uh, this weekend, the show Wipeout, you know, everyone. And it's John Cena and some other woman. I don't know the woman. And Camille Kostek is like the on-field reporter. And I was watching it with Carissa and she was like, oh, who is that? And I was like, I'm, that's Gronkowski's girlfriend. You know, and she was like, really? She can do way better than Gronk. And it got me to thinking, if you had to be married to either Gronk or Tom Brady, who would it be? Uh, it's Tom Brady. Like Gronk is really? definitely more. Yeah, Gronk's. I want to be friends with Gronk, but I want to marry Tom Brady. In the if we're playing the game of you know, like this is the same Mar- guy Mary. who said who said that he wanted his family to leave the entire house for his preparations. Sure, that's good. Yeah, I mean that's not an issue for me. I'm not. I'm not wanting to marry someone and then be joined to the hip with them. I'm fine with him going off to focus. Like in, it's even better to me if. I could think, oh, he's going to focus on football 10 months of the year, 11 months of the year, and I can just get, I can be Giselle and just do my own thing. Perfect. I'm surprised. I thought you would have picked Gronk. I'd, as I said, I'd want Gronk as my friend for sure. Like, I actually think I'd have a good time with Gronk, but. Isn't your partner your best friend, Eddie? Um, I. <laughs> we'll edit everything out don't worry Eddie. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say this i don't think you want your partner to be that kind of friend there are different types of friends right like and the friend that you want to go to a frat house with and like slide through a wall that's a different kind of friend to the one you want to spend the rest of your life with sam to be honest i think it's pretty easy brady strikes me as someone that might be a little bit more affectionate whereas gronk is just well, all business wow. is the wrong word. Wow, that I didn't know how you were gonna. I knew who you were gonna pick, really, but I didn't know the logic. Still, kind of surprises me. There like just seems you, to be more compassion with Brady. I don't know why he'd probably you, be you a more a gentler cuddle. lover. Yeah, he'd be a more gentler lover. Okay, that's that's <laughs> some imagery I did not. Need. All right, <laughs> I was just kind of going off of like the party versus weird aspect. <laughs> no, now you have the gentleness of their lovemaking. Yeah. Oh, you've got to factor every part in. Gronk would take Sam to Pound Town, whereas he wants he wants to be <laughs> not the, not the Cleveland Brady. Browns one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you're okay with having to live off of TB12 the rest of your life and eat avocado ice cream as your birthday treat? Wait, um, do I uh, do I have to do that though? I'm pretty sure he it. forces his family to it. I think he had to do it most of the time. I'm sure you can, I mean, for starters, I can go out to lunch, right? Like I'm not being held no, captive. No, you cannot. So I can go eat whatever I want. <laughs> okay, so and, we've established he's not Josef Fritzl. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. But so, yeah, no, I think I could, I could, I could survive not eating strawberries one meal a day. I'll be fine. You sure? You sounded a bit 
kind of like umming and ahhing whether you can it's, go it out seems, with it seems to change your tune a little yeah. <laughs> no no yeah no I, I, tom brady not close i take it also I, I i'll disagree with carissa that she could do better than gronk i mean better is obviously there are better looking guys out there than gronk but he does seem genuinely nice genuinely fun he's obviously very wealthy incredibly successful you know like see that's the thing i think i think a lot of his frat boy party stuff it's not an act but it's clearly exaggerated i think uh, and look i'm sure friday night I mean, he's a professional athlete right i mean he has to have some discipline even though supposedly he was pre-filming his workouts <laughs> and then sending to the coaches over the summer did you hear that story no they used to make them because of COVID, they had to do their workouts on their own. So they were had to film their workouts of them doing like the sprints and the conditioning and then send the video off. So one day Gronk just recorded like five days worth of conditioning and then just kept sending that every day while he was out vacationing. <laughs> and then they eventually caught him because he was wearing the same clothes by like the fourth day in a row. <laughs> That's the concern because changing the clothes would be the obvious move. Like that's step one would just be five outfits. Like, yeah, I would be more concerned about exactly the same background, like exactly the same weather conditions or something like that would concern me more. That's how I think I would get caught. The fact that you get caught because you wear the same clothes, that's a major oversight on his part. Yeah, I can, I can just imagine like some really awful editing, you know, where like he's blitzing like a 60 meter sprint or something. And it just you just see the background like move flick really quickly to like the end. <laughs> or just some really bad acting where he tries to like, oh man, can't believe it's Wednesday, July 7th already. <laughs> what well, holds up a newspaper that's clearly I mean, been six. edited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow, it's 7.42 on Thursday, July. My God, the time is flying. How about this Thursday weather, huh? <laughs> oh, I can't believe it's Taco Tuesday. I better go get some of those tacos. What do you guys think? You just see Hump the clock day, am I changing. Right? Hump day. <laughs> yeah. TGIF, guys. TGIF. Last workout of the week. Let's go. Uh, now, uh, uh, I guess we can address the squid in the room here, which the NCAA tournament wrapped up last night with Baylor getting a mildly surprise victory, I guess, over Gonzaga. So before I give my any thoughts on the game itself last night i thought and sam i'd give you some good news which you might or may not be aware of okay for a, like a bit of good news well it turns out the squid may be not the best at picking college basketball but we did ask you to make nba predictions at the beginning of the year and in those predictions you threw in a massive surprise which was picking the phoenix suns to win the Pacific Division. They were 20 to 1 preseason. They are now 10 to 11 favorites to win the Pacific Division. I think they have a six game lead on the Clippers, I believe, something like that. Although the Clippers have played fewer games. But uh, fundamentally, if they, 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 the Lakers are out of it just because of their injury issues. Uh, so it's basically just between the Clippers and the Suns now. And it looks like the Suns have a very good chance of holding on. So that I only do it prediction. in the big leagues, Eddie. I only do it in the big leagues. Yeah, you're professional only, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Pretty impressive. I, I don't mean that to sound arrogant, but like, 
I had no well, idea about oh, the you did. college game, <laughs> and I did terribly. I had a tiny bit more, but never to the point where I could say like the Suns were value at twenty to one, and then to well, see them at ten to eleven now. That's actually the interesting thing, right? Because most of those divisions, you'd ba- you'd barely heard of any of the teams. The interesting thing is you pick the Suns in the only division in which you're actually familiar with most of the teams, you knew the Lakers were the reigning champions. So actually in the division in which you probably had the most knowledge, you made the most surprising pick and it's going to pay off. We well, we think it's going to pay off. This. I mean, he's got value right now. He doesn't have a victory. He'd have a great cash out. If you'd, this is the other thing. I couldn't give you too much credit because you didn't actually put your money where your mouth was. If you were oh, sitting on, I? Oh, really? <laughs> By all means. Send us the screenshot and we'll put it on our Instagram. But if you were sitting on like a hundred pounds at the on the Phoenix Suns at twenty to one, I'd be giving you incredible credit. But the fact that you just threw it out as part of a pick, still impressive. But I'll send you two screenshots. One of them has been photoshopped. <laughs> You'll just have to see. <laughs> but yeah, last night's game, I didn't really care who won. Um. I guess the disappointing thing was it wasn't a particularly good game. The only reason I kept watching was because in the back of your mind, you just thought Gonzaga are the best team. And so, okay, they're down 10, but they might make a run at some point. And fundamentally, they made the run just to get it back to 10 points. Like that was their run. All Um, I read this morning was most of them said dominated. Most of like the sports reports said that Baylor like pretty much dominated the game. Like from kind of start to finish. Don't know if that's yeah. Oh, or... I mean, it, it was a. They had a 16, 17 point lead within a few minutes. They were totally on top. They they shot the lights out from the three point line in the first half. So that kind of basically put the game to bed. And again, you just the only reason I kind of gave it any hope of turning into a good game was just because of giving Gonzaga some respect. But they were just Baylor were shooting better. They were faster. They were stronger. Like watching the game, it didn't look. If you knew nothing going into that, you would have come away from that thinking Gonzaga was like a one seed. I mean, uh, Baylor was a one seed, and Gonzaga was maybe like a five or a six seed. It did not look like the number one ranked team in college against another one seed. Yeah, and you have to wonder maybe the the game before with UCLA kind of took it out of them, you know, because they were cruising through the playoffs winning by 20, 30 points, you know, they were cruising and then they hit UCLA. And I mean, an amazing shot that they said that that shot is going to make that kid millions of dollars in the grand scheme of things. Um, just based off of like, you know, like endorsements and and videos and maybe these NFTs now might even get some, something from that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think personally that it took it out of them a little bit. And, you know, maybe they were tired, just just overdone emotionally, physically, who knows. But they did not look the same team. Yeah, you got an expression in England, right, the day after the Lord, Lord Mayor's show. And it kind of felt like that, like that they'd had their big night of celebrating, not because obviously the goal would have already always to win the national championship, but just in the respect of how they won that the semifinal, the kind of feeling of relief and that let out of energy and it might be that they just couldn't get back to that level for the start of that second game but disappointing that it wasn't a better game that's the only thing do um 
show my naivety here to put my squid out on. Uh, do basketball teams get found out? Like when you're in, in like football, soccer, um, Liverpool, for example, you know, a lot of people found out a way maybe to play against their aggressive wingbacks, which is why they went on a poor run of form, for example. Do you get that in basketball? Can you really find a team out like a way in a style of play so you just know exactly what to do to counter it or defend against it? Or Yeah, 100%. Really. Yeah, yeah, 100%. With the types of plays they're running, if they're running like the type of defense, if it's zone, if it's man, if it's 2-3, three, 3-2, three, like all those different types of things you see teams get found out over the course of even in a game, like midway, you know, can get to halftime and a team can make adjustments and the, the flow of the game can totally change. So yeah, it happens, happens all the time. I don't think Gonzago, I, I don't think the issue was that they were found out. It's just, they were the, they were second best on the day by a, by a long, long way. Yeah. And it's tough, you know, whether they were found out or not to have their first loss of the season, be the championship. That's just got to, that's got to rip one through. I mean, they, they, they can ask Tom Brady and the Patriots how they feel after coming face to face with the Giants. But yeah, and to be a team that was so close to putting yourself not in the history books in the same way the Patriots had done, but like if Gonzaga had won, yes, say if Gonzaga had won in the style that Baylor won, they would have legitimately entered that discussion of like, where do they rank in the greatest college teams of all time? And instead, now you're just totally forgotten. Like no one's ever going to be talking about this Gonzaga team apart from in the future when an undefeated team makes the championship game. And then people will say, well, like, well, Gonzaga in 2021, I barely had a close game over the course of the season and then got blown out in the final. Now you had the men's championship game. That was a shooting clinic by Baylor who pulled ahead and won handedly versus the women's game, which was a, very close game to the very end, last shot of the game, winner take all, but was riddled with very poor playing. And I don't, I'm not saying that because they're women. I've watched other women's games. So I've watched Arizona's last three or four games. And this, the quality in this game was just so bad. Both teams were just missing everything they shot. At the end of the day, what's better to watch? the Baylor blowout and them going what 70% from threes or the buzzer beater at the end in the Arizona Stanford game. I'd always rather watch a close game. If I'm a neutral, if you tell me that I'm in any way invested in any one of those four teams, then I'd obviously rather have, I'd rather be Baylor. But if I'm just a neutral and I'm sitting down to watch a game, I'd rather a bad game that's close than a high quality game that's a blowout blowout. Yeah, that was it was it was exciting at the end for sure. And it was it was a shame the way it ended because I think everyone on the court knew who was getting the ball and it was just a terribly run play. I mean that was in terms of running a last play with five seconds, that's about as bad as you could have asked for. Oh, if you made Sam watch that, it would make Sam believe that basketball teams don't call plays. Because it did just look like it did just look like they inbounded the ball to the player they wanted to shoot, and then she just dribbled for a couple seconds, got sw- swamped by other players, and then just heaved it in a hope for the best. And t- maybe that's what they drew up. It actually got pretty close. That's the worst part too. She, I'm, it, it, she almost made it. Yeah, and I think well, the crazy part too is I get that you want your best player to get the ball. I don't have an issue with that. 
but I don't think the way to go about it is to give her the ball two feet from the sidelines and then have her be swarmed by four players and have all of your players on the same side. So you can't even access them. You know, like she, she was put in such a tough spot, but she had a player wide open with like a second and a half left before she like did this weird turnaround from way beyond three point. She had someone wide open and it's a shame. She either didn't see it or just had the mentality that I'm going to take the final shot no matter what. But it, yeah, it was not a good look for like, let's draw up, let's draw up a great last play. And then that's what you get out of it. Which that's a tough call in basketball, right? Because sometimes you get killed. Like LeBron at times has been killed over the course of his career for passing up the last shot, but in doing so he's passed it to an open guy. And if you do it, you got to hope the guy makes it. Like if you're Michael Jordan deferring to Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr better make the shot because otherwise people are going to be like, why didn't you take the shot MJ? Like that's the, you can't win in those scenarios, right? If he, if Michael Jordan shoots and misses, then they'll say, why don't you pass to the wide open guy and vice versa? Like you're never going to win from the only way you win coverage fan standpoint. The only way you win is if one of you makes the shot. Like if you hold yeah. on to it, you, you, you got to make yeah. it. And if you pass it, the, the wide open player who's technically worse has better make it too. But yeah, if you, if you give up the ball and then that player misses, it'll be like, well, obviously you should have taken the final shot. You kind of like, you didn't, the moment got too big for you. Or if you ho- hold on to it, it's like, oh, look how selfish he is. He could have passed to a wide open player. He doesn't trust his teammates. It's all about him. Yeah. The only way you win is if you win. <laughs> Words of wisdom. Speaking of LeBron, <laughs> did you watch uh, Space Jam trailer? I did. Yeah. Yes. Thoughts, reactions. I am terribly disappointed with how bad it looked. Really? Yeah. Le- so, so let me say. So, I'll, I'll I'll put a few things on record. One, I love the original Space Jam. I I know it's not that great of a movie, but if it's on, I'll always watch it. I just really enjoy it. Two, I am actually a fan of LeBron. Like, I, I never had an issue with him on the court. And, and additionally, I think he was really good in train wreck. Like, I thought he was funny. I saw a lot of potential. The first 15, 20 seconds of the trailer when he's talking to his supposed son, because I don't think that's, his, that's not his real son, right? It's not his okay. real son, which is that's another weird thing. Yeah. The fact that it's not, not his, real son, his real son. <laughs> weird. Wait, 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 that doesn't guarantee, that doesn't guarantee like on-air chemistry. Like look at it like doesn't, Will Smith and Jaden It Smith. doesn't, but did you see the chemistry? Did you hear, it, it sounded like they gave him a script and he was reading it for the first time off of a script. It and was it, the worst interaction I've ever heard on, on the screen. And they changed the kid's name. It's not one of his children's names. Like why wouldn't you give him, he is playing LeBron, LeBron James. Why wouldn't you give him, if you're even going to get an actor to play the, the son that is the age of one of his children, why wouldn't you give it the real child's name and not make up the name? Like, I don't get it at all. So you didn't like it? <laughs> I, I Personally, I don't think I was ever going to really like it. I think it has to, one of the things we have to acknowledge is that we're all in the perfect age range for the original Space Jam. And obviously, we're not in the perfect age range for Space Jam 2. So there is that aspect. But... It just didn't even it didn't even look good. Like everything about the trailer to me looked like they were just trying to rip off the fact that, hey, this is Space Jam. A bunch of people are going to come watch it instead of really putting in the effort to say, how can we make this 
a good family movie, but still have people really enjoy and just watching it in general. Like the whole LeBron is a cartoon. I hated that. As soon as I saw LeBron was made into a cartoon, I was like, this is stupid. Well, this is the other element. Usually I kill movies for just doing a straight reboot. And I don't think they should have done a pure reboot of Space Jam. But the fact that they've basically totally changed the universe almost in which it's going on is very strange. Like in the original, they didn't turn into cartoons, the NBA players. You know, in this one, they, they're like cartoons slash animatronic things at different moments in time, like robots. Just stick to the original premise of if I'd been writing it, I've been like the Monstars come back and now you have to do the rematch of the original game. Like that's, that should have been the, they've been like, that's not really touched too much here. We have the cartoons playing with real NBA players against monster aliens. That's it. So you want them to somehow be new yet be a continuation of the previous one from what, 20, 16 years ago or something like that? Oh no. When did it come it came out, out in 95. So, yeah, I mean, true. yeah, 30, like, yeah. 26 yeah. years ago, 26 years, ago. literally just thinking about this. Now you could also do that classic sequel spinoff where the bad guys are now the good guys. And maybe another group has attacked the Monstars and the Monstars ask the Looney Tunes for help. And now they yeah. go like, oh, who can we get now to help us? And they go and get LeBron. And now Le- it's LeBron, the Looney Tunes and the Monstars versus some new isn't that only helping us. person. That's only that's only helping our generation that saw it. Like Disney's or whoever, sorry, they're kind of not pandering to us, I don't think. No, they aren't. And, and that's the thing is, it's not a movie for us. But when you remake an iconic pe- movie from people's childhood, you do also like they'll know that in order for this movie to be super successful, they need the nostalgia element to play. Like they need that. So they're not just hoping kids because this would be my and I've got two more issues. One is that the the villain is just a just a person like before the villains that's strange to me and then the other issue i like if they didn't need nostalgia to play i don't think lebron james like the thing about michael jordan being in a movie in the mid 90s is he was michael jordan like he was famous like no other person on earth basically he was loved by fundamentally everyone every little kid wanted to be him lebron isn't on that level so you need the nostalgia people have to want to go and see space jam they're not wanting to go and see lebron james whereas first time around people just wanted to see michael jordan the space jam element actually kind of didn't really matter yeah the looney tunes aspect of this all is completely irrelevant in a way and that's why he's so front and center in the whole thing, right? But I actually, from like a, an aesthetic and style perspective, I didn't actually see too much of an issue. Like, yeah, the live action parts, I thought were pretty pretty bad. Like when he's falling through the vortex thing and the way he's falling just looks painfully embarrassing. Like there's no, <laughs> there's nothing in it. But from a like acting, uh, from a like animation style and things like that, didn't really have an issue with it. It's only a trailer after all. Half the stuff might not even be in the film, but I didn't mind yeah, the artistic can, we, direction. We can't judge it too hard because it's a trailer and they might even get some feedback from this trailer and adjust certain things, but like Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. 
but maybe they'll cut LeBron James out. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. We told you LeBron was going to be in it. Michael Jordan's back. It's, we just photoshopped, just brought him back. In. Yeah, just good. put the like MJ crying face on top of LeBron James at all times. <laughs> but I mean, it's not a good sign because the trailer, you know, usually is picking out best parts of movies to kind of entice you in a little bit without obviously giving spoiler alerts. But to have that opening monologue be the part that's kind of supposed to drag you in and be like, is he literally reading this for the first time like live? What is going yeah. on right now? And, and I agree with you. Like LeBron James is legitimately good in Trainwreck. He is funny in Trainwreck, which isn't a movie. I don't love it as a movie, but he is probably the best part of it. And so to f- I thought that he has, I mean, he clearly has more acting ability than Michael Jordan. Like that's not close. Like you can turn LeBron into a funnier character than the original MJ character in Space Jam. And the fact that they've missed on that part is surprising and disappointing. So you didn't need to be that good an actor in the nineties. Like people just wait, what? whatever. I don't, <laughs> I don't wait, actually, I, I, I don't think that in the nineties that many people cared about genuinely incredible acting. Just look at like all of the Batman films for a start. So you think, you think like, the standard of acting is higher now than it was in the nineties? I think there was a hell of a lot more misses back in the nineties that we look back on nostalgically. Like we've already had these chats about like Jim Carrey's best films and stuff like that. A lot of people look back at those films more fondly than probably the acting quality was back then. That's all I'm saying. And I'm just saying that Michael Jordan didn't need to be good probably to be remembered fondly. I don't think Michael Jordan's bad in Space Jam, but he's not. He, the, the, the thing Michael Jordan does well in Space Jam is he knows his limitations. He knows he's just supposed to be like, limited mj he's not funny there's funny things that happen out of interactions with the looney tunes but he himself is not delivering like quick one-liners whereas based on the train wreck resume of lebron james you felt like he actually had the ability to kind of carry a scene by himself there was that moment where it's like what in the matrix hell is this or something that's terrible that's an awful line (laughs) no don't 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 bring in these nasty ass references because there's Warner Brothers, isn't it? Hence why like Iron Giant was in it. They brought in Met. They even had like Gandalf on one part of it as well. It's like, come on, this is Looney Tunes. Just keep it there. Keep it in your keep it in your universe. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that will be interesting about this now is if this flops. This is another critique about how LeBron will never be MJ. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And this would have been the area he felt like it would have been a landslide for him. Yeah. Poor LeBron. That's another thing he's going to have compared against MJ. Which I'm surprised he actually did that. Because you know he's going to be endlessly compared to MJ in another realm. Like, I mean, he gets it his entire life. Everything he opens is probably, you know, like compared to MJ, compared to MJ. And now he's asked to do a movie that is a remake of a movie Michael Jordan made, Michael Jordan's only movie, you know? I'm surprised he decided to do that. But he's like us, right? So he's our age, fundamentally. And he would have looked at that. That would have been a movie he loved from his childhood. And it's a chance to bring it back. I would have done it. 
I would have I would have acknowledged in, in the <laughs> okay. press buildup. In the press buildup, I would have kind of said, "We'll never be better than the original." I know it's surprising they didn't call me instead of LeBron, but <laughs> I will say, even if it's bad, I'll still take LeBron over Blake Griffin, who they were originally saying was going to do it. Yeah, and that's the other interest. The fact they had to get a star. It had to be yeah. like the whole premise of it is it's got to be a superstar and have especially would have aged badly because Blake Griffin's career continues to just fall off a cliff. So if that movie had been coming out this summer after he'd just been like amnestied by a team and just given away for free to the Brooklyn Nets and then he's supposed to be the NBA player saving mankind, uh, it would have been that would have been a difficult premise. But look, they can't all be hits. But fortunately, you made us, Frank, you made Sam and I watch another Disney movie, well, a Disney series uh, this this weekend when we have watched the first two episodes of the the reboot of the Mighty Ducks franchise. Well, well not a reboot. Uh, yeah. Because well, it's, 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 it's actually a continuation. It's, it's a follow-on in the same universe. Yeah. yeah. How, how have you not followed the intricate plot line, Eddie? A TV sequel. Yeah. So very, I mean, a very similar argument here. You know, you have the original Space Jam and then you have, you know, the, the next generation trying to hit the new crowd. And it's basically the same thing. I'll let you guys go first before I give my opinion. So what do you guys think so far? The first two episodes of the Mighty Ducks Game Changers on Disney Plus. It's, it's pretty bad. It's really pretty bad. Like This is one of the reasons why I don't like starting new shows because I am so worried they're going to be garbage. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Everything's just cringeworthy. I, I just find it all very like generic in terms of how they all meet some of the really corny lines they use. The product placement in it is gross. Like that one bit when they're in like the canteen and he airdrops everyone. It's just little horrible moments like that that do not. I, it doesn't sit right with me. And that didn't even strike everything. me. I've got a lot of issues with it. That didn't even strike me as product placement. Well, you can't airdrop on Android, so sure. But I didn't. I didn't make the connection there. I was just like, oh, he's airdropping photos to people. I didn't think about the fact that he was on an iPhone. The only thing, it's semi. Oh, and also just the idea of like the gamer who was really good at playing the hockey game and 10,000 hours and hadn't conceded a goal. It was just, I just hated it all. Also saying that one of them had like a podcast body. I don't know if you took offense to that. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was the best line of the first two episodes. (laughs) He's, he's the only one. He's the only redeeming factor for me at this point, two episodes in. He kind of is, he's kind of funny. Um, Again, this is not meant for us, right? This is meant for little kids. Like this, we are well above the age range of people who are supposed to be watching this TV show. But there's a number of things I don't get about it. I don't get why they consistently try and make that like Canadian kid just fuckable. Like I don't know why I have to continue to watch like glamour. Oh, shots you mean of like the, the the flowing locks and the yeah. hair and, and then the thirteen year old receptionist? Yeah. yeah. I don't know he's why. He's an eighth I grader. Have... Keep in mind. No, is he eighth or sixth grader? 
No, 12 to 14 is the age group they're in. Yeah. So they're probably like 13. I want to go into IMDb and see if anyone has put a review similar to you saying (laughs) that the Mighty Ducks game changer upsets me on an almost pedophilic level. No, no, I mean, no, no, it's no, true no, though, because no, no. he's hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, I, I need to say something. Upsets me on a pedophilic level would imply that it like upsets my my pedophilic tendencies. That is not how I describe it. You just I'm, said making a child fuckable. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. There is a pedophilic. It doesn't mean about you. I mean, generally speaking. Well, no, because no, here's part anti-pedophilic. Of, yeah, here's here's part of the thing too, right? I guess if you are a, a ten to fifteen year old watching that then he is the good looking kid in the bunch. So I do, but they do seem to go overboard with the slow motion. When he's flirting with a, with a 45 year old secretary. Yeah. Yeah, She's lapping it up. She's lapping it up as well. And that was also encouraged. (laughs) Sam, that's acting. It's not real. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't how to catch a predator. (laughs) Hey, they went to the lost and found after it was in the cuts. It was in the outtakes. It's gross. But yeah, I'm. I, and maybe it will get explained. I don't really understand the Gordon Bombay storyline as much either. It doesn't. Am I missing something that happened at the end of the original Mighty Ducks franchise? So it, I think it will get explained. He kind of just disappears from the third one. Uh, they get a new coach. And uh, from what I've seen, the original cast comes back. So there was some falling out with Conway, Charlie Conway, and his mother, who he was dating or with. And I guess that kind of ended his love for hockey. But I had seen that the cast is, the original cast is coming back. There was back fi- in the pictures TV of them series, on the yeah. ice. Yeah, yeah, on the TV series. So, that, so I'm assuming they're going to fill in, you know, why he had this falling out with hockey and what happened with the original Ducks and Conway and his his mother and things like that. You'd hope so. Yeah. Except Goldberg is not coming back. Okay. He's currently in rehab still. Yeah. Uh, oh, that would have been it, good. I kind of admire the twist of making the Mighty Ducks the bad guys, but also yeah. kind of hate it. That cringe where the the bad guys though isn't it it's like that start thing where it's like oh you would you're not the mighty ducks to have fun <laughs> like it's it's all just it's all a little bit too cringeworthy for me maybe because it's not my generation like you say but no that's a, I, I don't want to be this like nothing's worse right than me it's like me sitting down to critique hannah montana episodes like there's it is not made for me oh that's a podcast that's a podcast yeah. So I don't want to be like, why are these assholes ripping apart a children's television show? But again, when you are bringing back a franchise that, uh, again, we're right in the wheelhouse of the original Mighty Ducks franchises, they have to know that part of what they want to happen is for people of our age to watch it, either with their kids or by themselves. You know that they'll want the like kind of ironic appreciation of it. And and to me, there's no jokes taking place on a higher level. Like you can make a kid's show where this is for the, this is a joke for the kid and here's the joke for the parents and everybody's laughing, but they're getting different mm-hmm. elements of it where this is just like, 
here's a really bad joke for the kids. Eddie, you have struck the nail right there because when we watched the first two episodes, I said, it seems like they're shooting for just too low of the age bracket with all the jokes and the play and everything because then we went back and watched the original Mighty Ducks and it's the same age group, same type of kids, like half of them can barely skate. They're wearing like leather emo jackets. You know, they don't have equipment. They're wearing like random helmets, very similar concept on all of that, except you have the adult aspect of that movie where as an adult, I still watch that movie and said, oh, this is an enjoyable movie. It's not like every five minutes, like Sam said, you get a cringeworthy, like really, really corny sixth grade joke. You're like, that's the joke of the episode. You know, like I have a podcast body. Great, good line. But that's the best joke in the whole episode. You know, that's not, it's not hitting at every level. And they, and they yeah. did, they are not hitting at every level. And it's so disappointing because when you watch the original, it hits on all of those levels, like the, the 12 to 14 age group, the 18, and then the adults can even enjoy it. And it is not. And I'll, I'll tell you another thing that really bothers me is I am not, never was, and never will be a Gilmore Girls fan. And I hate both of them. I cannot stand anything that either one of them are in. They are two of the most annoying actors on the planet for me. And she does not help it. She, uh, she is like her Gilmore Girls stereotype personality, and it is very annoying. It's a weird casting decision because uh, similarly too, you'll know that all the people from our age group who then go into it will so strongly identify her with a singular role. I would have tried to have cast a kind of unknown person for that one and then relied on the fact that the Gordon Bombay role was going to be, I'm going to say star power. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a uh, compliment that he does not deserve based on the work of the last 26 years or so. But like it didn't need a recognizable female lead. Um, so that... And maybe we'll get better, but I think, yeah, I'm I, obviously I haven't rewatched them that recently, but I know that when I went to watch the Mighty Ducks in cinema with my parents, that they enjoyed the movies. Yeah. They walked, they walked away like, and there were times when my parents told me they didn't like some of the movies we went to see as kid, you know, like they'd never rip it apart in front of me, but there would definitely be moments where they were like, <laughs> no, not so good. But that was yeah. the Mighty Ducks was one we've I remember being as a kid rewatching it on TV, like with my dad and him happily watching, not being like, OK, yeah, you watch this and I'll go off like him happily sitting and watching it with me. So I can't imagine if I had a 13 year old son that I'd be delighted to sit down and watch that TV series with him. I'd I would do it. There were worse things, but I wouldn't be sitting there enjoying the experience. Yeah. And, you know, like when you look back too, they had so many, so much potential already to hit at more of an adult level. Like the whole aspect of the training your kids to be world-class athletes when they're 12 years old and having like personal trainers, like you could have hit adult level jokes there. There's so much potential. And I think that is a really funny aspect. You know, like I still see it nowadays. You see these kids, you know, like, uh, 
who are just being overtrained at age 10, you know, they're doing push-ups and sit-ups every day. And you could, you could make those jokes, but the way they went about them were just so bad and corny. It's, they put no effort into this. It's, it's a shame. It really is a shame because it had the potential. Like, I like the idea, like Sam said, I like the idea that the ducks are the bad guys, but even, you know, like, they're like, Oh, we'll start our own team. What's your name? The don't bothers. Like that's the best they came up with. Terrible. Don't bothers. I mean, you have to Come think right, the, the original Mighty Ducks were so well branded that they had an NHL team named after them. Yeah. There's no way there's going to be like the, the Seattle don't bothers, you know, it's going to, that's not going to happen. So, you know, it's, it's, they've made all it's the, lazy. so, so far all the adults are really stupid which is a good way to get kids to laugh, right? Because they'll be like, oh, that's just like my parents. They're idiots, you know? But <laughs> No, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, all yeah. adults are dumb. But from an adult's perspective, it's not enjoyable to just be like, this is a world of morons. I've got two other major issues for it, which I guess one of these, one of these must have been an issue from the original Mighty Ducks. They're in Minnesota, and no one sounds like they're from Minnesota. <laughs> like, literally nobody. <laughs> They could be in New York. Like there is nothing that makes you feel like they're in Minnesota. And my second element, this is a tactical issue I have. They play that opening game. They start off with a Canadian who can only stand up if he has his stick with him. Although miraculously by the end of the game, when they go and do the skate around at the end, he can skate He's pretty better. well. He's fixed himself during the game. However, they have one seemingly naturally gifted skater which is the black kid he's on the bench to start the game <laughs> so i have to question i have to question that i mean we know she doesn't have great coaching sort of ability but the fact that you weigh it up and you go like who's our starting team we've got this one kid who's a really good skater his issue is he just likes throwing himself into stuff which is perfect for hockey in some respects yeah We'll put him on the bench and instead we'll let the only joke, the only other joke that made me I laugh. I think you like adult, it. No, no. The only <laughs> other joke that made me laugh on an adult level, which I don't think is intentional and there for adults, was when the kid, the Canadian kid was like, Tripod? <laughs> yeah. When he, when the kid said, yeah, when that clearly was the When the kid said, "I have to, I have to use this the stick to stand up," and then the little the little podcaster goes like, "He's like a human <laughs> tripod." That that was the only time, and those are the types of jokes they should be having constantly. Yeah, yeah. The, I thought as soon as you said it, it instantly came to my mind because I thought the same thing. Because that's perfect, right? If you were a kid, you'd watch it and you go. It's funny. He's like a tripod. He needs the, the hockey stick to stand up. And if you're the adult, you're like, oh, it's like he has a massive dick. <laughs> like there is, there's a joke there on two different. Eddie, levels. we understood. No, I know. But... <laughs> <laughs> you see what I like? Those should be every two, three minutes. That yeah, same kind the, of joke. The less we talk about thirteen-year-old penis sizes, the better. I'd imagine. <laughs> but instead, they've just made me have this image of this Canadian with a great head of lettuce right like this is his claim and yeah. uh and a massive penis <laughs> like this is <laughs> maybe it is how to catch a predator they're maybe, gonna have all, they're all, catching all viewers who 
Yeah. All the viewers who thought the human tripod joke was about that are going to sign in. <laughs> They're arrested next week. The only other yeah, thing, the, the podcast kid is the only one who has his line where he describes himself on the outside and then they're like, and what do you like on the inside? And he's like, I'm like him, but like maybe a little bit taller. Yeah, like, that's that, good one too. It's another, like he's the only one who's bringing anything to the table. And then that's the, the main kid sucks. Absolutely sucks. What, Evan? El, El, Elvin? Evan? Whatever his remember. name is. Just a complete empty Evan, balloon. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm of he, the opinion that she needs to be probably arrested for neglect when you actually think about it. Like she is well aware that they are going into full contact sport, right? At what this 12 to 14, they make a big issue out of it. And the one thing she doesn't equip them for is give them any sort of like protective padding or equipment that will help them in the full contact. So she, until like the day before, she steals it. (laughs) And then, no, that's the next point. She then commits of robbery to then pad them up for a full contact game. Like she's very neglectful as a coach. Like not only not a coach who has no hockey knowledge, but she she's neglectful. She's broken. She's going to break laws. How hard is it to hire a hockey coach in Minnesota? (laughs) This is the other thing, right? She's seemingly money is no issue here. She has this. I found that an interesting one. I find that interesting when they wouldn't say the amount of the grant. That was obviously like a, a decision to not bring sort of money into mm-hmm. the TV show when she writes it down and slides it over to Gordon Bombay. But she see, money doesn't seem to be an issue. And yet also none of the other kids' parents <laughs> even remotely <laughs> present so far. That would be the other cause yeah, for concern. No support, no nothing. Where's what the I Cana- don't get? Where's the Canadian? But but also, Canadian what dad? was Gordon Bombay's? What was Gordon Bombay's business plan with this ice palace as well? Like the guy falls out of love with hockey, ice hockey, and then decides to create a rink and get annoyed when people want to do it. Well, we don't in a perfectly shaped rink for ice hockey. Also, this is the other, and Frank, you'll know this better. Isn't that a super small rink for a hockey game? Like it looks, I don't know what size a 12 year old normally plays hockey on, but like it looks, it would would be uh, most of the time. There's just normal rink size uh, unless there's like a a smaller rink. Like sometimes, well, what's crazy is that there's only one sheet on there. Like most rinks have multiple sheets of ice. And then usually like maybe the second sheet is a smaller one, but this is seemingly it's like, and where is it too? That's the other thing. It's like randomly it just to be in the like middle a, of the it looks city. to be in like a diffused like meat packing factory or something. It's really <laughs> gross. <laughs> that was the thing is I uh, when she saw it, she saw the sign for the ice palace. I thought in my mind, I was like, oh, this is gonna be a place that sells ice. And either they're gonna it said build... deliveries as well. Yeah. So... so so in my either they're gonna build something in some warehouse or she's gonna like take ice and like put it in her backyard or something like this is what I started to imagine. And it's like, Oh no, it's just a fully functioning ice rink. That's seemingly no one right in the, the middle of the city that no, that no one's of. seen. She'd yeah. exhausted a list of potential risks of potential rinks, which also isn't empty. Right. Like when she initially went in there, there were people skating like yeah. since then there's been no one. 
they've murdered everyone else who goes to the ice palace. But when she originally went in, there were other people <laughs> there. So that brings us to my other question for you. What are we thinking of Emilio Estevez's acting in this so far? I think he looks a little bit like Michael J. Fox. Do you not Can think you elaborate? This... I, I need an yeah. elaboration here. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bite. But yeah, I, I just think whenever I look at him, I, I don't mean kind of like the now Michael you mean like, J. Fox, like I puff, mean... puffy face, plastic surgery, because that's what he looks like to me. <laughs> they both He's got a very puffy face, like... plastic surgery look. It looks yeah, like the, I just think the, they both have the same. Both milk. both main adults went to the same plastic surgeon, I think, <laughs> and they should both be looking for refunds. But what happened? He he seemingly was a very good actor, and this is this is clearly a hey, we just need you to show up and read these lines. I don't care how you read them, just read them, because he's not putting in any effort. It's easy to not put an effort though when you're like this grumpy. You just say things without any passion or care. So when you're like this grumpy guy who doesn't want to get involved in hockey, it's quite easy to deliver those lines. He's got real, well, he's, that's, he's deliberately got no passion. His character needs to be an alcoholic. That's what really needs to be there. Like that's, that's the story. They won't you know, do it. He just likes to eat cake instead. That's yeah, like instead his alcohol. Him, that's the children's version. Instead of him walking around with three day old cake, he needs to just be drunk the whole time and hung over. Like when he's taking a nap, he should have been hung over in that scene. Not just or implied like, hung over. Yes. We don't need to see him. It's a children's show. <laughs> like Again, for, for adults, well, it should register he's hung over. And instead, it's just like, I nap between two and five. So go, but that's okay. the whole plot line of the original movie. Because he has a DUI, right? He, he, gets, he gets a DUI and he gets sentenced to community service. That's the whole premise of the so original it movie. It Wouldn't it sense. be really easy for him to just then become an alcoholic? Yeah. And then, but, but you're, you're a little hard on him, Frank, because he's doing the best out of the sheens. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. He, he doesn't have much to work with. In his competition between him and his two brothers, he's winning. Oh, oh, you mean in life? In life, yeah. Well, I mean, yes and no. Charlie Sheen's had the more successful life, but he also has AIDS. So, yeah, it's. I mean, overall, it's just I'm, I'm disappointed because it looks like there could have been something there, and instead, it, you know, they went the instead of doing it properly and taking the time and the effort, they went the way of let's throw a title on that everyone knows and let's half-ass this and put a show together. But I still will watch the rest of the season, of course. I'm, I'm committed to. You've, you've, you've forced my hand, unfortunately, here. If I stumbled I, across it, I'd be out. But you've, you've made me have to watch this forever. <laughs> I, I'm interested in to see how they progress because that was always a, a critique I had with the original movie is you take these kids who, again, as Eddie alluded to, are in Minnesota, so it's constantly available for them to be able to skate and play hockey, and they seemingly cannot skate or play hockey at all in the original movie. And then within several weeks, they become at the same level as a team who's practicing 40 hours a week. So I am interested to see if they pull that same move and have I mean, what, what's what's the one girl? She she's like a fantasy role oh, the one playing with the nunchucks. She's a LARPer. magic. 
a LARPer. She's a LARPer. Yeah. She's basically she's, a LARPer. She's going to go from a LARPer who's never skated before to being what? Top scorer in the league in three weeks. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, I do. I That is the other issue is. And maybe I'm misremembering that element, but it did feel like the original Mighty Ducks had more talent, but not much. Was, so I went like back and looked. A figure no, skater. The, the, yeah, the they talent had, related to an ability in ice hockey, right? These ones have no ability that relates to ice hockey and they're yeah. being shoved. This is one race. guy who can skate. This is their team. One I know, that's, that's the thing. So in the original, I would say there was probably four that could skate well two that were decent but then they get banks who's the best player in the league to come onto their team sure but so unless that this... happens here oh i don't they know how they win to that though with the girl from the dance. oh yeah, that's yeah right. she's right she's joining that. she's joining for sure but they had the kid with the slap shot right who couldn't skate but he has oh. the slap sh- he has the slap shot so oh, he right. has like a hockey skill that you can be like, well, if we can teach him to skate, they have the goalie who's really good, but can't skate. Isn't that his weakness too? No, in the original, he's a really, really bad goalie as well. He's like afraid of the puck. And then they okay. tie him to the net and then they shoot on him for like 200 oh, shots. And yeah. he's like, Oh, yeah, I love it. It feels great. It's tickles. Yeah, but, he's, <laughs> but he's good. Right. But he's afraid of the puck. Good to see golf back on. Actually, speaking of crowds, did you, what was it? The Texas Rangers, the, Baseball yeah. game where they had like a sold full out, <laughs> sold yeah. out like 35, 40,000 people. And the, the the photo they had of each of like, I know it's more of like a bold the look of it, but I would probably say if you pinpointed in like a Where's Wally style, like looking for people, half of them weren't wearing masks. It was really, oh, I would say most to watch. Were. I mean, Sam, really awkward to watch. If you're happy to sit in a packed stadium. Like I actually find it, it if you're if you think you should be wearing a mask, you shouldn't be in a packed stadium. I have more respect for someone who just goes, either I don't care if I get it, I'm not high risk, or I don't really believe in any of this stuff. I'm going to a packed stadium, no mask. But if you're actually sitting there with your mask on, thinking like, well, the mask either makes me safe or makes all the others safe, but I don't mind like sitting around all of this huge mass of humanity and at the same time having to take my mask off whenever I eat or drink. The inconsistency there would, if you're turning up, just take the mask off. More respect. No, I, I, no, I, I, I almost fully agree with Eddie because if you're a person who is concerned about COVID and you're playing your risk factors, what's the bigger risk factor? Going to a packed stadium of people or wearing your mask outdoors like the one that's weighing more is being surrounded by fifty thousand people so don't do that just just be outdoors with a mask on not with fifty thousand people at that point you've you're not making logical sense you know like why would you choose like oh no it's okay to be surrounded by thousands and thousands of people i'll just put my mask on no that's not how that works And just to be clear, I'm not encouraging people to not wear masks or, but, and I know you're the anti-COVID person, the, Sam. You know, the COVID, Sam. yeah, anti-vax, <laughs> COVID hoax, you know, that Sam is very much Sam's role. I would encourage people to wear masks at all times, even when you're sitting by yourself at home alone. But if you're, you know, I, I, I wouldn't go and sit with 50,000 people right now. 
yeah. in shoulder to shoulder <laughs> yeah, seating. It's dumb. It's and and dumb. then throwing my mask on wouldn't be like, oh, everything's fine. Guess I got my mask on. Yeah, and then you also can't be that person that goes to that game and then yells at people for not wearing their mask. <laughs> yeah, that it comes. Hey, put your mask on, man. <laughs> yeah, dude, you just bought a ticket to be around fifty thousand people. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's dumb. Speaking of which, I've been invited onto the uh, pilots at Wembley. So the government in the UK is doing. Um, uh, like a pilot scheme to try and get crowds back into stadia just to understand like how to go about it etc and obviously the fa cup semi-finals are going to be at wembley and the Carabao cup league cup final uh and because i'm local uh i've been invited to be a part Invi of the test <laughs> here's the thing is oh invited by the fa i got like good, an invite in the post it was good, signed good. It was no, no 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 i'm not, not even going to question that element good for you in being able to attend a sporting event why do they need a pilot scheme to have, they just go before we used to have 90,000 people. Now we've got 10,000 people. Like what is the, what's the complication about the logistics that they need to have test runs to figure out how they manage that? Well, well wait, I actually also, I hope it's to see if people get like tested positive. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the yes, only reason. Yeah. You now have COVID. We're sorry, guys. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing that would make sense to me. But like you fundamentally say, okay, we need people to be this separated. So we have, we allow this many people in. This is where they sit. We let them in through these entrances. Like, I don't really understand what you need a pilot scheme for to figure that bit out. I mean, good on them. Someone's made money off of planning these pilot schemes, just suckered in a government program to like, <laughs> hey, pay pay my agency some money to to come up with this plan for you, but I don't I don't truly understand why you need that. Well, I guess the logic probably wouldn't be whether they can fit them in a stadium or not. It's probably like where do they need to position these rapid COVID tests? These ones where it's going to be like you get the result within half an hour. Uh, where how many people do you need on a ticket barrier? How much space do you need for the effectiveness of like transmission between turnstiles? I guess that's what they're trying to look at. Sam, are they gonna? Are you gonna get vaccinated for it? Are they? No. Are they giving you the vaccine? No, 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 no. So no, they, you have to do like a test before and a test after. They're they're injecting like two percent of the attendees <laughs> with COVID, yeah. just to see how well they can yeah. limit the spread. They're funneling in the they're, they're just gassing the virus oh, through the air, bad, but they're just yeah. gassing. Them. <laughs> but no, it should be good. Should be good to actually see some uh, live sport. Although I did see it in over christmas right when i went to see the rugby but uh yeah it'd be good to actually go to Wembley. yeah i mean we know you don't believe in COVID. it's fine <laughs> yeah i ate at a restaurant for the first time in a very very long time this weekend it was strange at first just not used to it it's really weird yeah i can't i can't remember the last time i ate at a restaurant it would yeah. be the summer i was the same the summer way for me i guess but yeah, since July, I think is the last time I ate ate at a restaurant. At the height of the pandemic. But, but I mean it was still in there were still restrictions in place. So it's not like it was full seating, full everything. But that is the last time I ate out. Also, I mean, we might be reaching the height of the pandemic here, so don't don't uh the best is yet to come for it. Don't <laughs> underestimate our ability to still still peak. 
Well, you guys are always welcome to come to Arizona and get vaccinated. 16 and over. That's all you got to be. Okay, we've been through this. It's illegal for me to leave the UK at the moment. I can't get out of the country. I can't go more than 10 kilometers. So getting to Arizona would again be a challenge. But we appreciate the offer. So I actually had a master's COVID related topic that we can kind of wrap it up with as we talk about the masters and Sam COVID testing at Wembley last year, Deschambeau said that he didn't feel right during the masters and that something was wrong. And he swore that he had COVID. So he got tested over a dozen times during the weekend of the masters. And then afterwards, swearing he had COVID. He did not ever test positive once out of like the dozen times he tests. He was so like, he really thought he had something. So they went further. They ended up doing CT scans, x-rays, an ultrasound on his heart, measured the blood vessels in his neck, infection checks, brain scans, and oxygen levels throughout the next three weeks. To quote DeChambeau, there were some interesting things that went on. Took about four or five months to figure out what it was. Next line. And we couldn't find anything. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> so it took him five months to find out he had nothing wrong with him. It's just that they've yet to develop uh, an effective clinical test for being an asshole. He's just got it in his head, right? He, he said something's up and he's so convinced that nothing else could be true. Yeah. Yeah. He's an asshole. <laughs> he also he set himself up going into that Masters, right? Because he said he was going to shoot. Like, courts was perfectly suited to him. Conditions were perfectly suited to him. He said he was going to shoot 20 under. And then Dustin Johnson shot 20 under and won. And he was nowhere near the lead. So, like, it made him look really bad. It was peak, peak assholeness for him, yeah. which is saying something. And uh, it, it, it's, it makes sense to then look for excuses. What I don't get is why bother going all through all of that, have a COVID test, it comes back negative. And then you'd think you'd just say to your, say to people like, it turns out I didn't have COVID. I just had the flu or I just had a cold. Yeah. Like you, you could have just had any other ailment and said, it's, my body wasn't feeling good that week. Yeah. And, and to me, you can look at this two ways. You can look at it as he's either a person who is, you know, like partially OCD about everything he does, you know, like what he's eating, what he's drinking, how he's training, how his body feels, or he's a person who just needs an excuse when he doesn't do well, instead of just owning up to the fact that he didn't do what he said he was going to do. And I think it's the latter. I, I don't think it's him being like so regimented. I think it's him being that much of an asshole that, you know, he says something's wrong and that's why he didn't play well. And he refuses to admit even after they test for dozens and dozens of things and can't find one thing wrong with them where he's like, no, no, there's still something wrong with me. They found nothing, but there was definitely something wrong with me. That's why I didn't play well. And he's also not, I wouldn't say doubling down from his statement last year, but he came out yesterday, Tuesday and said, obviously there's something in the bag, the golf bag this week. That's very helpful. I won't go into specifics of it, but just know this has been a few years in the making and I'm very excited for it. 
Whether it helps me perform at a higher level, I'm not sure because it's golf and you never know what happens. Definitely what I've seen on the driving range and what I've seen in the last week in practice, there's some tremendous benefits to it. But he won't actually say what that is. It's a butt plug. Like, what is wrong with him? They're like a hole cutter. Just a golf ball shaped butt plug. <laughs> but with a Supposedly it's just a new sure driver for access. <laughs> But like, who does he think he is? Does he think that someone's going to like steal this the day before the Masters starts? He speaks. He speaks like Trump. Like when he, <laughs> when he refers to like the way he's got he a body like Trump. Trump. He's got a body like be. Trump. <laughs> I mean, Trump is going to take that as a huge compliment. Um, the, the thing about that kind of weird secretive message he better pull something out of his bag that's genuinely game-changing or surprising. If it's just like, oh, this club is two inches longer than my previous one, it's going to be like, okay, who cares? But like, he, he better be pulling something out that they have been working on for years where it's like, this is, this is a 12 iron. You know, like if it's not like... If the indication like, is, is it's a new driver head is the indication. Big whoop de do. But like an experimental one that shouldn't be allowed, or what's the like? I don't know. He won't. I mean, tell. a twelve iron would be amazing. Are you are you are you implying that he might be about to play with an illegal club at the Masters? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't get what I don't get how special this can truly be. Well, also the thing is too, right? All if the times. he's not working, whoever he's doesn't he use the sim driver? I think, but it whatever he uses. Like, it's not as if it's going to be a secret from other golfers working with that same manufacturer. Like, they're not going to have some, like, breakthrough discovery. And they're going to be like, Bryson, this is just for you. Like, none of the other pros that we, like, try and help win are going to get access to this technology. This is just for Bryson. In his mind, though, that's exactly what it is. Bryson, you're the only one that can use this. <laughs> Maybe they just probably tell him that. Maybe yeah. they do. Yeah, they just tell him that. <laughs> this one's red, Bryson. For you, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bryson, only you get the red one. And we've done tests that show that like your mind can track red better than any other color. Admittedly, golfers do get really into that, right? Like that's why they do change club head colors and things. But uh, yeah, I. I don't know. Maybe you can, you can actually see the ball tracking like we do on the screen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A laser tracker built in. Um, that would be awesome. That would be cool, actually. Look at how John Rahm goes, uh, goes about it, right? Everyone knows he's waiting for a first major, and he just goes about playing consistently. And he's also an asshole. Happen, it will come. Well, <laughs> less of one. <laughs> It's a Spanish asshole, so it just a little, it rolls his R's. Like, that's... Oh, I thought you meant that's what makes him an asshole. <laughs> because he yes, rolls his R's. It's just an attack on the Spanish language. I mean, a lot of golfers are assholes, actually. Who isn't? Rory seems nice. I knew you were going to say Rory. <laughs> Is this... um, God, you are so pro-Rory. It's unbelievable. He seems like a nice guy. Um uh dustin johnson seems nice he's just super boring but I, he's not an asshole he's just really really boring brooks kepka seems like legitimately nice 
and down to earth. Like when you hear him talking about being a golfer, when he attacks uh, Bryson. Yes, like, that's the best. He's got, he's got like a personality and a sense of humor and stuff. Justin Thomas, until he revealed himself as <laughs> throwing around uh, homophobic slurs, he was, he was doing okay until then. Jordan Spieth doesn't seem like an asshole. Again, just seems he's boring. boring. Like, but it's if you did the Venn diagram of like golfers and one of the circles was boring and one of the circles was assholes, there wouldn't be a lot in any other the the other circles. That's for sure. I, I mean, you have to be a little boring to be a golfer, right? You're dedicating what ten hours a day to just kind of walking around a golf course all the time. Oh, crash! You, you, know, you, you kind of have to. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple times. But unfortunately, without Tiger, I guess you're going to have to root for Phil Mickelson to be the, the dark horse to win. I'm going to have yeah. to replace Tiger. Yeah. I mean, Phil Mickelson, Phil Mickelson doesn't really seem like an asshole, I will say. And he's kind of occasionally entertaining. He's got like asshole vibes, but he also seems kind of fun. He seems a bit comical get... with his asshole vibes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I get that. I feel like if you actually played around with Phil Mickelson, probably be good fun. Yeah, probably be a lot of fun. You'd probably Whereas a lot of these be a lot bankrupt. of these guys would be a nightmare. That was actually an interesting question I saw on on Twitter. Maybe we could finish this off, uh, finish the podcast off with this on this note. If you had to play LeBron James in one on one in basketball, and you either could have LeBron James's body and your like basketball iq or lebron james's basketball iq and your body a which one do you choose and then like which version wins see i saw this i think a little different i thought it was just who wins if it's your skill set in lebron's body versus your body with lebron's skills like lebron has your body Okay, well, we can think of it that way. It, I mean, mine's easy. It has to be LeBron's body because I'm like 5'7". So <laughs> if I'm in my body, even with all of that knowledge of basketball, I'm just not doing it. So I'd have to kind of risk it, at least knowing that I have like the athleticism to potentially get it. Yeah, I agree with you. I just don't see... I, the drop-off would have to be so significant in... You'd have to be like a vegetable for the for the like basketball IQ drop off to in any way, or you're just you yourself are very big. Like, I don't think it's I'm, just basketball IQ. I think it's like skill set too. Yeah, but I can dribble a basketball, and I'm six two. Where and I know if I if you put me in LeBron's body with my current skill set, I could dunk on myself every time. Like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a challenge. But your shot would still suck. And his shot would still be okay in your body. Yeah, but he couldn't block me. He couldn't block me. I could block him every time. If you are good at defense. I'm in LeBron's body. I'm still way faster, way bigger. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. Like, you think if you, put, if you just put LeBron James into my body, I would blow by LeBron James? <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's. Overestimating my physical abilities and way underestimating LeBron James's physical abilities. 
you're basically saying if you think that you're basically you're, the vote of confidence for yourself is you're just like 90% of the way to being an NBA player. I get it. If you were six, six and like pretty decent at basketball, you might be like, Oh, this is a toss up. But if you're, if you're under six, three and you're not already an NBA player, this is not a tough question. Yeah. But it also then you're right. You're absolutely right. You, you take the, the size, the physicality, but it also then brings into question something I think we've talked about previously is, are basketball players just good at basketball because they're tall? Like it is that like the defining prerequisite to being a good NBA player is you just have to have height and size. Uh, I think you're, you're getting a long way towards there. Yeah. And you're definitely eliminating yourself if you don't have it the way I'd sum it up. I remember when I was in high school. <laughs> oh, Eddie, what racist school did you go to? <laughs> Hey, there was a Mexican and a black kid there. That's already a good start. Okay. Wow. Someone now sounds, sounds like, like Trump. <laughs> <laughs> sound like DeChambeau. And we had a gay kid, just so I sound like a little bit more like Justin Thomas. Now that would be the twist, right? That's what a Justin, story arc. That's how Justin Thomas could have saved himself from the accusations of the homophobic slur is if after that round, he just comes out of the closet. That would have been the move. Just committed to, he would have had to have dated a man for like two years just to save all of his sponsorship deals. Wait, when you say that would have been the move, do you mean that he would have in this tactical moment had to gone, I've got to tell him I'm gay. Like, you've got a wife. Oh, no, yeah. It doesn't Wherever matter. That was, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Wherever that happened, like that happened on like the 13th hole, right? He spends the next five holes and he just like, trying to figure it out like hole 16 he just goes to his caddy like i'm gonna have to be gay for a couple of years like no kiss other me. choice kiss me on the yeah. 18th <laughs> <laughs> kiss me you all right well on that note i think we should say goodbye before this is our last podcast episode <laughs> see ya Here we are.